There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper. Welcome to another Business Elevation Show. It's great to be back uh, for another week with another fantastic guest, um, somebody who I loved speaking with a few years back, Tom Eddington. And uh, I personally asked him to come back again because I'd uh, I'd missed catching up with him, actually. And uh, I wanted to find out uh, what's been going on with Tom. And I realized that Tom is doing lots of work to kind of contribute to a better world, which is becoming you know, a theme for this show, really. The Business Elevation Show is about elevating our thinking, elevating our businesses, um, but ultimately to contribute to a better world, to make a contribution. So I think business really can do that. And um, you probably noticed there are a few challenges out there at the moment. So um, it's uh, it's a good time to uh, be, be focusing in on uh, what is truly, truly important right now. Um, so before we start, a big thank you to my guest last week, to Corey Blake. Uh, Corey, I think I pointed out to him, was probably only about the third guest who's been on the show three times. Uh, so uh, uh, Corey hadn't realized that. Um, and Corey is always a, a fascinating conversation, a really interesting background in, in from advertising, big budget um, adverts to to movies he was in fight club with brad pitt and various other movies um but he uh he, he now is, is a storyteller and has a storytelling business and we talked about the art of surrender you know when there are so many obstacles sometimes that might seem like they're in our path it's very easy to keep on plowing on but you know we might hit uh we might hit a a large obstacle and it might knock us out and um the conversation last week was about actually you know when when do we let go when do we accept maybe temporary defeat and when do we um, move uh, sideways uh, and then enable us to move forward so uh, if you're going through um, a challenging time right now with uh, with your business have a listen to the show i think you'll find uh, last week that that conversation will be helpful so are you like in many of us feeling really passionate about averting climate catastrophe are you concerned right now about what is going on in your neck of the woods and around the globe when it comes to climate and also to biodiversity loss because we're losing a huge number of species every year uh, and uh, are you wondering how do you best champion regenerative practices in your business how do you get your your company to really give this the the focus that it, it really needs i also wonder if you're concerned about um, issues such as mental health and the crisis that we have amongst young people, uh, and how we bring some humanity into an increasingly dark work through our, our world through our work. You know, if you feel in, if we feel that we are contributing through our work, uh, and uh, our organisation is one that does that, then why would we want to be anywhere else, really? Um, so there's something here that's important when it comes to loyalty. And my guest Tom Eddington has spent the past three decades in the business world. Uh, and he's been, uh, and he is a consultant, an educator, an entrepreneur. He's a strategic advisor. 
He's a student and teacher of board leadership and organization effectiveness. I think we're all students there, always continuously learning and focusing on how they grow, achieve and sustain effectiveness while remaining stewards for their stakeholders. Tom sought out opportunities to teach and work in the private, public, academic and nonprofit sectors. Uh, and he has worked with uh, board members and senior executives for hundreds of organizations. He's been an adjunct professor in the City University of London. Uh, MBA program. Um, I've done one of the two of those myself too, and a guest lecturer at several other MBA programs in the USA. He founded and co-founded multiple organizations. Uh, he's uh, he's a chief, uh, so he's an executive coach and advisory um, firm in his business, Eddington Advisory Services. And Tom's just really passionate about current issues and how to uh, resolve them. He was even a guest panel member at COP26. Um, which you remember was uh, last year in Glasgow in the United Kingdom. Um, so let's have a conversation here. What can we do as um, as a business uh, leaders, owners, employees to provide solutions? And also, how can you help? So a big welcome today to my guest, to Tom Eddington. Thank you, Chris. It's wonderful to be back with you again. Yeah, it's we, been uh, enjoyed our last uh, last conversation together, and uh, looking forward to catching up. Absolutely. Well, I thought we should have a part two. I, I'll never forget your interview. Actually, it's one of those that just just uh, sticks sticks in the long term uh, part of my mind. Yeah, just just learning your story and your journey, and uh, um, even took you into into all sorts of uh, spiritual practices. I think seem to remember, but it was just it was just really um, one of those moments when uh, you, uh, you you realise that. Uh, that we all have challenges in life and uh, you were really, really inspiring. So if anyone's not listened to that interview, the sort of part one with Tom, um, we, we won't um, recap all of that here, but go back into the archive. It's there, it's free and have a listen. And uh, I think you will also be be inspired too. So Tom, a big welcome. What have you been up to since our last interview? Well, since uh, since our last interview, we've we've you know been dealing with COVID in the world and the uh, impact of of COVID. Uh, I've continued to to do my executive coaching work and my uh, business advisory work. It's been challenging for for most of my clients the last couple of years trying to figure out supply chain issues, the uh, you know the 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 mass exodus of of staff, whether it's uh, Reduction in force on the employer's part, or people choosing to to go work someplace else and reprioritize their their lives. So, continuing to do that work, but I also had a chance to release uh, two films that I executive produced uh, in the, in the autumn of uh, of 2020, connecting the dots, which is about the the glo global uh, adolescent uh, uh, issue of anxiety, depression, and suicide. And I released a, uh, another film at the same time called The Third Harmony, which is about the true nature of humanity, that we're a nonviolent species, where we come into the world hardwired hard for collaboration and cooperation. Yeah. It's important, isn't it, that we remind, our, we remind ourselves and we understand, understand that. We, we've uh, really, really important. I, I was recommending a book, Humankind, as well, to people um, a couple of couple of interviews or so ago in talking about uh, about humanity but what what i mean what for you what what inspired you and why are those two subjects so close to your heart 
Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the third harmony. So with with that uh, with that film project, um, I had a, a chance to work with a, a dear friend of mine, Michael Nagler. He was the writer and producer of of the uh, of the film. Michael uh, founded the Peace and Nonviolence Studies program at the University of California, Berkeley, and was a professor there for forty seven years. He's an emeritus professor and. Is seen worldwide is is probably one of the the, the leading experts on nonviolence. And when I look at um, the the subject matter in the film, we talk about it's called the third harmony because we need harmony within ourselves, harmony with each other, and harmony with nature. Yeah. And that framework um, is is fundamental to what it means to be human. And so much of the work I do with my clients around conscious leadership is helping them become self-aware so that they can develop a harmony within themselves and certainly harmony within their organization. And increasingly, businesses uh, need to look at their practices and how they're, they're operating in the world to ensure that we're not continuing this uh, extraction mentality that's destroying our, our planet. And businesses uh, have, to, have to own responsibility. There, there's an incredible amount of a power and control that that uh, businesses influence on the planet, and is that is that is that possible, Tom? When it comes to the fact that certainly in 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 you know in the United States, I'm in Europe, where we've got kind of a capitalist approach to uh, to to things um, in these uh, in these in our countries. Anyway, is it possible with capitalism, which uh, where there are shareholders? And uh, people wanting higher returns and wanting to make money. Does the system allow us to be more caring of, of uh, our resources rather than exploiting them? Yeah. So I, I think uh, I think there are a couple of pieces there to to your question. So one one is we first we need to recognize what uh, what John Perkins and other economists have have acknowledged that we're not talking about capitalism as Adam Smith defined it. We're, we're talking about what John and others call Frankenstein capitalism, where we've cobbled together a, a form of capitalism that isn't healthy. And so we need to acknowledge first that um, the capitalism that we're operating in needs to evolve. It needs to change. It's not healthy for the stakeholders. Um, the, the second piece of it is there's an extraordinary opportunity for growth and profitability if, if businesses take the time to look at all of their systems and look at the fundamentals of their, their economic model and embrace what increasingly is being recognized as we transition from sustainability to regenerative practices. So I've, I've got a client that I, I've been coaching for a number of years, and they're, they're in, the, um, in the beauty industry, but their products are based on algae. And so they're not extracting things from Mother Earth, from nature to, to produce what they're doing. They're growing algae in a laboratory. So it's incredibly regenerative, not just in terms of the, the face creams and other things that they sell, but also the packaging can be made from algae. And so there's no um, petroleum-based products that go into the, the packaging and the production process. So you know each each business that exists today really needs to to look at its carbon footprint look at its its impact on the planet and it, it's not easy i mean for for um 
for some organizations. And this was one of the ahas that came out of, of COP26 uh, in Glasgow was that we, we as a society, as a, as a entity, a, a species, have been thinking about our, our industries and our carbon footprint and how do we globally reduce our carbon footprint. And that's necessary, but for some industries, that's very hard. If you're in the airline industry, for example, or if you're in the energy sector, moving to uh, carbon neutrality is, is really daunting. There are lots of other industries where moving to carbon neutrality is, is relatively easy with some minor changes. And so we need to fundamentally think about how do we how do we operate as businesses and look at our supply chain, look at all of our systems and processes. Yeah. I, I mean, interesting that example that you give there in terms of uh, the, the aviation industry and that actually, I, I don't know about... I think we've talked about this, Tom. You know, I'm, I'm not flying as much as I used to. I think you said you weren't. And and a lot of people um, I speak to aren't flying as much by choice because they're concerned that it actually has an environmental impact. So unless unless uh, these uh, issues are, are grasped and solved, then the industry's not got a particularly great future, I suspect. Right. Yeah, so uh, I mean, uh, just picking up on that on that point within the you know the airline industry, for example, while the technology may not be there yet for the planes themselves to fly with uh, uh, you know biofuels or other uh, maybe electric planes eventually, there's a whole complex system. So how do the employees get to work, and can the employees get to the airport? for example, without a carbon footprint. And what role can the airlines play in that? The airline facility itself, um, can it use solar or renewable energy to operate the airport? Um, there's technology now to change the, uh, the runways from concrete and asphalt to using different materials that are actually structurally more supportive, but don't have a carbon footprint. How do the passengers get to the airport? So there's looking at that complex system, there's a role that the airlines can play. And, and some of them have done a, an interesting job of, you know, planting trees or finding ways to offset their carbon footprint. But there's much more the industry collectively could be doing while still looking at how to replace traditional jet fuel uh, transportation systems. Mm. So, so you, do you... We mentioned the words climate catastrophe, um, and although we say averting it, but I mean, what what is your take on where we're truly at right now? Um, you, do do you still do you still have hope? Um, yeah, so there there you know when 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 we were first alerted to global warming um, here in the U.S., President Kennedy in the early nineteen sixties was the first US president to be advised of global warming. Every US president since, since uh, President Kennedy has been told about global warming. And in the 1990s, um, industry and others co-opted the term global warming and changed it to climate change. And the reality is we're not dealing with climate change anymore. We're dealing with climate disaster. Yeah. Worldwide, Every 17 days now, we have a climate-driven disaster that's resulting in $1 billion or more 
in property damage. Um, and so to be talking about climate change, it's not presenting the, the true story. We, we truly are living with climate disaster and we need to be honest with ourselves about the state of the world. We've got 80 million climate refugees on the planet right now. That number will grow to 200 million by the end of this decade and likely a billion people by 2050. That's a disaster. That's not climate change. No. Crikey. Those are pretty bleak. <laughs> pretty bleak figures <laughs> well, it, it is bleak but the, you know the reality is we we still have time we do. I mean, it's it's dire it's desperate but there's some fundamental things that can still be done by the end of this decade mm -hmm. and we're we're seeing you know more and more industry leaders who are embracing their role in trying to affect change there are lots of innovations that are happening but we need to accept that we're not going to technologically solve for climate change and, and rely on technology to get us out of it. Uh, there, there are some fundamental things that each of us need to do in terms of changing the way we're being on the planet and our organizations that we're connected to need to uh, need to change as well. Yeah. And, and I suppose, you know, that coming back to that point about, you know, harmony within yourself, with each other and with nature, um, when it comes down to us as individuals, there's uh, there's something we, we we can start to think what can we personally be doing how can we be living how can we be um i think my my children are, are getting pretty uh, fed up with me um insisting all lights are off and <laughs> the he heating's managed and uh re recycling things are in the right recycling bucket and uh you know it's not somebody coming around to look at solar power on the on the roof there's something else that's going on but i i you know i'm, I'm mindful of this every day now but i certainly wasn't five years ago even three years ago so hopefully there's lots of others <laughs> doing that too. yeah and, and that that led led me to do the the other film connecting the dots on the global adolescent anxiety depression and suicide which is there's there's now a, a, a mental psychological con condition called an environmental anxiety that our youth are suffering from and um we we as a, as adults and and business leaders we we have to acknowledge the impact we're having on youth. Excellent. Well, let's call, talk about that more after the break. We'll be back again with you all in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Tom Eddington, and we're talking about uh, about um, you know business and uh, and humanity and some of the issues that are happening today. And we're just chatting in the break actually about um, I, I I kind of assumed wrongly that a lot of young people uh, in the in the twenties uh, majority are really concerned about the environment and uh, and I was did a survey recently in one particular company with a lot of young people and I was quite surprised how on where they actually were uh, and I suppose probably you know, maybe back when I was a, a, that sort of age I was quite you know a bit more focused on um, on uh, my job and getting a better job and, uh, and a car and a house and all that sort of thing and uh, and maybe these issues weren't uh, as significant particularly significant on my agenda but I, I was quite surprised by that um, and so I'm Tom I'm realizing I realized from that that and some education still is required to you know, for these young ambassadors of the future, really, some some of them on 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 it, but not not all. Yeah, and it's um, you know, I I think the the youth are representative of society in general. There there's certainly those like a, a Greta Thunberg and others who are actively out there protesting and uh, calling out our our global political leaders and industry leaders for not doing enough. And then there are others that, you know, very much are in the mindset of how, you know, how do I get another job? How do I get a better job? How do I make money? How do I ensure my, my financial future? And then there's a, a whole host of, 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 of young people in between. And uh, so I, I, you know, I look at it. Um, I had uh, a, a program I did in June on a global platform called Humanity Rising, where daily programs and Dr. Jane Goodall was my guest on Thursday of that week, where we talked about youth uh, uh, environmental anxiety. And it's it's now a clinical condition that many youth are, are suffering from because they are anxious about, is there going to be a planet Earth? Um, yeah. is, there, is there going to be a future for them? And it's it's you know, driving some significant mental health issues. So she's created an organization called uh, Roots and Shoots to help get young people involved in, and engaged in reconnecting with nature. Um, I've been uh, doing some work with Dr. Lisa Miller at Columbia University here in the U.S., and she's been doing some extraordinary research on um, youth mental health. Uh, doing uh, longitudinal twin studies and working with functional MRIs and doing programming in schools um, 
and introducing a spirituality into the curriculum. And with her research and her work, she's been able to bring uh, anxiety and depression and suicide down by about 80% um, by introducing the, the youth uh, to spiritual practices. She's worked with the US Army and has brought down their suicide rates by 28% by introducing uh, spirituality into, uh, into part of their training. And she's been rolling it out into uh, selectively with uh, with corporations here in the U.S. And so um, there's there's some extraordinary things happening. Um, and just just to be clear on that, we're not talking about we're not talking about religion here, are we? we you say spirituality? No, no, it's fundamentally very different. Uh, you know, certainly religion has a spirituality dimension to it, but. You know, we're, we're talking about meditation, we're talking about time in nature, we're talking about could be prayer. It's it's helping the, the youth and, and the adults and the, and the military and otherwise, helping them understand that there's something beyond themselves. And just by understanding and accepting and acknowledging that there's something more than just what's going on inside me can fundamentally shift a, uh, a person's yeah. perspective and their mental health. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so the, the aspects to mind of mindfulness as part of this too. Yes. You know, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, sp- I suppose um, it's it's helpful. The uh, they since we we've been on the the planet, the it it does seem to manage to sort itself out. It seems to go through periods, doesn't it? Where of uh, you know when things are calm and settled, and uh, and then other other periods where you're getting creative and inventive, and then um, we when we start to get some tensions in the system, and then we have a big blowout when everything seems to be going to uh, to pot, and then it, uh, it it you know we we work through that, and we come out the other side in a, a much calmer sea again. Yeah, and I, I think the, the concern I have, and I, I acknowledge that that's what historically has happened. Um, the, the concern I have is that, you know, what, what COVID showed us is that as human beings, we think in a very linear way. And we can't mentally, we can't grasp exponential growth. And so with COVID, um, you know, we went into dealing with COVID with a linear mindset that this is how things progress. And the, the virus, you know, that caused COVID um, grows in an exponential way. So all of a sudden, it went from, you know, just a few cases to to millions of people dying around the world. And with mm. with climate change, it's very much the same, where we we're thinking in a very linear way, and yet there's exponential growth with with climate change as the as the Earth warms degree by degree. Yeah, well, and, and uh, we also have. You know, rising. We, we we have economic and political uncertainty, don't we? The you know, tension with uh, with Russia and other other nations. So there's there's more than just climate change in the in the mix right now. It's not as though it's easy just to focus on one thing, right? We, yeah, so- and, and it it puts a, a tremendous burden on on business leaders. You know, business leaders aren't trained in the same way that political leaders are are trained. And yet business leaders now have responsibilities beyond their business, dealing with societal issues, dealing with climate change, dealing with international conflict, dealing with COVID. And, you know, just looking at, at COVID as an example, um, every client I, I've, I've worked with was having to reevaluate their supply chain, yeah. um, having to look at, 
um, how to work, uh, have a workforce that's virtual and, and physical and how to keep those working physically safe. And so as an employer, you know, every client I, I, I've worked with in the last several years has had to completely rethink their business model. They've had to rethink their customer base. How do they serve them? How do they ensure a, a, a secure supply chain? Um, here in the U.S., we've seen lots of companies and, and our, our governmental leaders have looked at re, re, uh, you know, bringing things back onshore here in the U.S., uh, how to simplify their supply chain. And there's a level of complexity that uh, business leaders historically just haven't had to deal with. Yeah, yes, and massive price inflation in, in supply chains too. Yes, yep. Uh, ma- massive. Um I, I, I remember when uh, I used to buy um, many years ago. Uh, I used to buy um, in, ingredients for fifteen factories across Europe. My my, my team and uh, just a just a pound on a ton of flour made uh, it, it made a a good hundred thousand pounds of price increase to the business. <laughs> uh, and uh, and you know when things are going up many 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 pounds and you've got to find that and you've got to sustain your workforce and you've got to pass on. You're passing on, on cost to clients who are maybe struggling to afford them, and uh, it, it's, uh, it makes for very, very complex business. Yeah. And, and, and tying that back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago about regenerative practices, um, you know, the, at least the clients I work with, that's, that's something they're dis- discovering is that through embracing regenerative practices, they can bring down their ingredient costs, they can bring down their supply and cha- supply chain costs. And um, it's it's not easy to make those transitions. It takes a tremendous amount of time and energy and work to figure out retooling the uh, their supply chains, their their business processes. But in the end, uh, at least some of the clients I, I'm working with, they're discovering that they can bring down their their costs significantly. So, what does what does regenerative mean to you? Yeah. So for me, it's. And for me, it's um, looking over the last 20 plus years, we've, we've been talking about sustainable practices. And the reality is that the practices that were in place weren't sustainable. The, you know, the extractive mindset, the extractive uh, processes were, were not sustainable from the very beginning, whether we're talking timber or, or uh, minerals or uh, sources of energy. And so moving to regenerative practices are looking at, you know, a circular uh, approach to business. So looking at packaging, looking at supply chain, looking at uh, carbon footprint, looking at everything that a, that an entity does and how do they do it in a way that it will ensure the, the financial viability of the business and of, of our, of our climate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we, so we have uh, we have a a duty and responsibility we, with with our business. We need to do it that for survival, but ultimately, there's a bigger survival at stake, isn't there? Not just our mm-hmm. our, our company, right? Yeah, and, I, and if I look at the uh, the food industry for an example, um, the food industry um, uses about twenty five percent of all the energy on the planet. And the food industry um, uses an extraordinary amount of water. And the food industry, um, at least here in the U.S., about 30% of all food is, is goes to waste. Mm. 
And so um, that particular industry, one of the biggest contributors to climate change, if they start from the very beginning in terms of moving away from petrochemicals and, uh, and other things they're doing to harm the soil, uh, we're seeing more and more regenerative practices around regenerative soil. And so when we, when we look at how to regenerate the soil through using a combination of rather than a monocrop of corn or soybean or something else, putting in multiple kinds of plants, it can actually create a healthier soil, mm. which increases food production, which increases um, nutrition for, for the consumer. Um, it's a it's a it's a fundamental shift that we're starting to see happen in uh, in the uh, in the world. I've been working with uh, some leaders in the in the Bahamas to move to um, regenerative agricultural practices. And regenerative agricultural practices for them means that they can help address climate change. It means they can diversify their economy and they were struggling the last couple of years with the travel and tourism industry shut down, but it also ensures uh, food security for the island nation. They, they import about 90% of their food. And so uh, over the last year, I've been working with, with the leaders in, in the country to introduce um, or reintroduce regenerative agricultural practices to address climate change to address food security and economic diversification. And so that's just one example of when I talk about regenerative practices, Re regenerating soil is critical for a host of reasons, including carbon sequestration. Yeah. And once it's gone, it's gone, really. Correct. So it's, it, it, it is a big critical, critical issue, isn't it? Yep. Mm. Yep. As is water supply. Yep. Yep. You mentioned there, and particularly in the, well, the United States are certainly feeling it, aren't they, in the yes. West Coast in many areas? Yeah, and there, you know, we we talk about interrelated, we talk about how we're all connected. And what we're seeing here in the US, for example, as the rainforest in Brazil um, is destroyed and, and cut down, it's it's changing the weather patterns in the med midwestern part of the US, which is the, the you know, the 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 grain belt, the uh the source of so much food around the world. And so the, the Midwest has been experiencing significant droughts and, and major uh, flooding. And, and that weather pattern is driven by the, the forest in, in uh, the Amazon. Wow. That's the first time I've actually, I've actually heard that, uh, but, it, but it's not a surprise. Yep. It's, uh, it, it is very, very sad um and 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 shocking yeah and it's you know we we we've been hearing for for decades now that the rainforest is is the lungs of the planet mm. but it's more than just the lungs <laughs> yeah 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 it is it is and all that biodiversity that uh goes down with it yep mm. yeah it's uh so, some time to be uh, around at the moment I also, you we were talking there about people feeling, with with all this going on, um, very stressed mm -hmm. um, and anxious. And actually, some of those people who we need to be uh, helping to solve these problems, we need them in a good mental shop shape to, <laughs> shape to do it, don't we? Um, how do, how do we how do as uh, business leaders how do we 
ensure we create environments that that really nourish and enrich the people within it such that we get that we get the best from from them and they get the best for themselves yeah so the, you know the the we're we're seeing and we have been seeing for several years now gen z are are needing purpose purpose in their lives and they're joining organizations where they feel a sense of purpose and so for for business leaders it's looking at why does a business exist well, what what impact is it having on society? What impact is it having in the world? Where can uh, business leaders and the organizations they're leading uh, make a difference? Mm. And that will help with talent attraction, talent retention. Um, but it you know it, it's it's an opportunity for the leaders themselves to be engaged in something beyond their their organization. Um, you know, and and all of us, and I, I hear this from leaders privately in, in conversations they they understand the impact they're having on the world they don't feel good about it their parents their spouses their grandparents um, but the systems that they're operating in make it very challenging for them to uh, to deal with it and so um, I, I'm finding many leaders are are you know looking for opportunities to engage their workforce, to to you know have folks do volunteerism and other things outside of the workforce to look at um, putting um, task forces together to explore changes in business processes changes in systems to engage the workforce to help them grow and develop but also to uh, to shift the way the business is operating yeah yeah pe- pe- people people planet and then profit yep yep yeah. Well, we're going to go to commercial break again now. Um, after the break, we shall explore a little bit more about humanity and uh, I'd love some um, some words of wisdom on some uh, some key aspects of advice that uh, Tom would give to anybody who's leading in a business or working in a business right now. Uh, and let's um, let's find out if, if Tom, with all of his wisdom, has uh, one or two book recommendations and things that we should. Uh, we should consider as well. So do join us after the break with a especially being a pen and paper, and we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Tom Eddington, and we've been talking about business and and, uh, humanity We've been talking about uh, some of the the, the the key issues around uh, environment, uh, also mental mental health, and if you, um, I mean, Tom, what what does humanity mean to you? What what is humanity? We should probably de- define it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I would say and start with just um, you know, we we have a species homo sapiens that exists on the planet um but for the last 150 plus years we have been told what what does it mean to be human and you know there there's been a misappropriation of darwin's writings about survival of the fittest um there's been this this notion that we we're um hardwired for for violence and conflict and and that story is just not true and it's long overdue for a a new story and that's that's part of the reason that inspired me to get involved in producing the third harmony was um and we've we've released the film into into schools and universities to help um our youth go into adulthood with a different story of what does it mean to be human yeah. Um, that we are hardwired for collaboration and cooperation. When we see natural disasters all around the world, you know, the news media will will focus on those one or two individuals that are throwing bricks through uh, storefronts and stealing things. But by and large, when we have natural disasters, when we have things that have happened, there's an out- outpouring of humanity. People are there to support each other. They're to help each other. They're there because that's our natural state. And so when I when I think about humanity, we we truly are hardwired for for collaboration and cooperation, and, and we don't see in these in these nap, these situations where there is a disaster, we don't tend to see panic and hysteria, do we? Which uh, which was often reported and oft, often believed, uh, and sometimes it's uh, you know like in the New Orleans floods, it's uh, it was. It was highlighted by the news and the media that it was uh, actually happening when actually it wasn't happening. Right. And as a consequence, the, the resources didn't go in to help the situation from fear because they believed it was widespread violence and looting and shooting and things like this. And it, it wasn't actually the case, was it? And uh, our, our perception of humanity and it, it going into 
into a downward spiral in these situations uh, potentially is very dangerous. Yeah. Isn't it? And counterproductive. Yeah, um, and it just it it continues that narrative. Help each other. Yeah. Yeah, it just continues that narrative of fear. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's not healthy. It's not helpful. No. How do we get to the people who who shake up the whole bottle, the whole system, though? There were, there were some of those, you know, some of the world leaders who, who do that. How, how do we get to them? I mean, uh, and uh, help them realize that we need a world which is about collaboration, cooperation, not mistrust and, you know. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's something that that has been on my mind for several years now, and I'm I'm genuinely concerned about it. if if I look at humanity as a species, we are still in our even after two hundred and forty thousand years, we're still an adolescent, and we look at humanity and the way we're living with each other and on the planet, we're we're acting like adolescents. Yeah. And so the the challenges that we've now face uh, that we're now facing as a as a species, it, it it it's almost like watching for you know for any of us who've been parents that have children in their teens, they'll get themselves in trouble, and it gets beyond what they're capable of dealing with, and then they'll you know come crawling to their parents saying, you know help me get out of this situation. Mm. And so we're we're seeing in in humanity right now, um, in many countries around the world, where it's the equivalent of adolescents going to their parents. So we we've seen the election of of Trump here in the U.S., Bolsonaro in Brazil, uh, Oban in in Hungary, uh, Johnson in the U.K. These author- authoritarian leaders who are saying, you know, uh, put me in office. I've got the answers. And the reality is these are incredibly complex problems that we're, we're facing. And to think that an individual authoritarian leader can just tell us what to do, it, it's the equivalent of an adolescent saying, mom and dad, please help me out. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> and, just- and we're seeing it with business leaders where more and more increasingly um, business leaders are recognizing the complexity of the problems they can't, the CEO can't fix it. And so we're seeing more collaboration, cooperation across the leadership team. And, you know, for several years now, I've been working with business leaders to help them shift from that patriarchal authoritarian leader to a distributed decision-making process and helping them figure out how does the leadership team solve for these problems rather than the CEO, you know, by edict saying, here's, yeah. here's the answer. Yes, because that's I was with a, a leader last last week of a of a great business and uh, talking to him about the, you know the characteristics that they look for when they're recruiting, and uh, the first thing he said was, uh, uh, "We don't want people who think they know all the answers. We want people who are prepared to be vulnerable." Um, and that was that was very encouraging, actually. Yeah, that he that he that he said that. Um, because that's the the problem. People pretend to be it's put a facade up, don't they? Yeah. And, and no yeah, so one... I, yeah, with with the work I've been doing for probably four or five years now, it's it's helping build trust across the leadership team uh, so that people can can feel safe, so they can be vulnerable. And it's not natural. It's not what for many of us who've been in the workforce for 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 a period of time, it's not natural and it's very unfamiliar. And it does require 
self-awareness. It does require a whole new set of skills, not just communication skills, but uh, behavioral skills. And it's uh, it's a it's a fundamental mind shift for for our leaders. Yeah. Do you have any advice? If you had three pieces of advice to give to leaders today, um, what would it what would they be? Um, so the the first is you know something that they already know. Um, there there is no crystal ball. The complexity of the challenges and the problems. We you know we've seen the shift and move away from from strategic planning thinking we could look out five five years and do strategic planning. Of course, you still need to do planning, but um, recognizing that there isn't a crystal ball, it's very much around how do we gather all of the voices in the room to figure out where where do we need to go. So that that that's the 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 first. The second is. Um, you know, continuing to do work to know yourself, to become more and more self-aware, and to to be vulnerable, to create that level of safety in the organization where people can be open and honest with each other. And the, and the third is looking at organizational viability. Um, you know, COVID and, and other forces have have shown us that um, any any organization today is incredibly vulnerable. So how do you manage risk? How do you uh, look at your supply chain? How do you look at your systems and processes? And, uh, and fundamentally, who are your customers and what business are you in to ensure business continuity and, and survivability? Yeah, yeah. Some big, uh, big important areas to focus on there. And, and, you must, um, because you're so well read on, you know, on matters such as climate change and mental health, etc. What, what are, what are maybe two or three books that you would recommend people as as must as must reads really? Yeah, one one I would uh, I would recommend is a book called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life. Mm-hmm. It's a, a book written by uh, Dr. Marilee Adams. And uh, it's an extraordinary book because we all are presented with facts. We make a series of assumptions around those facts, and then we then we make decisions from that you know set of facts and the assumptions we have around those those assumptions, and we don't end up asking the right questions. Yeah. And she uses an example of. You know, when we were hunter-gatherers and and we were just sort of as a species wandering the globe, the question was, where is water? Yes. And so, you know, people would move or migrate from place to place depending on where there was water. And somewhere along the way, the question changed to, how do we get water to come to us? Mm. And that fundamental change resulted in the agrarian era in human society and it's i mean that that was a profound paradigm shift to change that question yes yes and so for each of us you know particularly as business leaders we really have to look at what questions am i asking myself and am i asking the right questions yes because as soon as you ask the question it it sets a framework and a way of thinking and a whole set of decisions that fall out of, of that question. And so we really have to start with, are we asking the right questions? Yeah. Particularly in the world today. Yeah. Great recommendation. 
Yeah. So uh, the book came out in in, uh, in 2016, but it's an extraordinary book, mm. and I, I would encourage any leader to to read the book and ask themselves: Are we really asking the right questions? Yeah. And what are the assumptions and the facts that are driving the questions we're asking? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, the the other book I would I would recommend is it's called The Awakened Brain. New Science of Spirituality and Our Quest for an Inspired Life by Dr. Lisa Miller. And I, I referenced it before. Um, you know, she's a, you know, a, a, a pretty rigorous scientist. Um, and so um, she's brought that scientific thought process and experience into um, um, what does it mean to be human? How does our brain work? And where does sp- spirituality fit in our life? And uh, it's, it's a it's one of those books that can change certainly how someone sees the world and it could potentially change their their life and I would highly recommend that as well. Fantastic. And do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Um, you know, I I we've we've talked about some pretty dire topics and subjects, um, but I really would want the audience to walk away with a sense of hope, a sense of optimism. The, the, things aren't out of control. It's dire. It's desperate. But we still have time, and there there's some extraordinary things happening on the world, mm-hmm. uh, in the world, and there are still lots of things each of us, particularly as leaders, can do within our organizations to ensure a a a, 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 a robust future for humanity. Fantastic. Well, Tom has been absolutely brilliant to talk to you again today. Um, really. Really thought provoking, and you know, just echo that uh, we do need to feel hope, and there are. The more you look into it, the more you start to realize that there are so many initiatives going on across the globe. And there's so many people are coming together. So many people are cooperating, collaborating, looking to do things that different. You know, Tom, you're, you're, since we last met, you, I could tell your thinking has shifted and the areas that you're getting involved in, you know, as are, you know, as am I with the show being really you know, what do we do? How do we elevate our businesses for a better world? You'll notice the conversations are starting to shift now because this is important stuff. And and actually, while we're here, we might as well use our life energy to make a positive contribution and a, and a positive legacy. So uh, important to get on with it, I think, and uh, and do our best work. So um, thank you so much, um, Tom. That was absolutely brilliant. On next week's show, we have Matthew Manus. Uh, we're going to be talking about vision, planning, and philanthropy. And Matthew has a, 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 a design and sort of branding agency that's been working with some huge clients like Apple and Google and, uh, and NASA. Uh, and he's um, he gives 50% of his um, time as a company um, pro bono away to help good good causes. So I thought it'd be really fascinating to get Matthew on because I like people who are change makers are doing things different. Forbes couldn't um, said he's either a crazy or a genius. Uh, in their uh, quotes. So um, we'll, we'll, we can find out what we think next week. So once again, Tom, thank you. Any questions, comments, send them to me, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Love to hear from you and uh, wish you well. And just go out there and make a, make a difference yourself to humanity in whatever you're doing. Uh, look to make sure that your time counts on this planet. And if you're in business, look at how you can um, contribute to the solutions and not be part of the problem. So Thanks. Take care. And uh, once again, Tom, all the best to you. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show.
Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.